Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converged into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. friends, and welcome back to the show. I am your host, Eric Salagi. If you've had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it shared on the show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Make sure to Facebook, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at uncomfortablepodcast65. And please remember to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you can. That's the main way that you, the listeners, can help get this show out in front of more people. And with more people listening, that means more people coming forward with their experiences for you. Ladies and gentlemen, September is right around the corner. And with that, the second annual Bigfoot in Brews will be held in Dwajak, Michigan at the Sister Lakes Brewing Company. Same venue as last year. This year, we've expanded a little bit with a VIP dinner the night before at the same venue. Then on Saturday, you'll then on Saturday you'll enjoy the likes of Stacy Brown Jr. and Robert Kreider doing their presentations as well as vendors, great food. And a whole lot of fun. With the VIP dinner, there is an extra ticket that you can purchase on the Eventbrite site for that night. With that price, it will get you your meal, one drink, and the opportunity to hang out with myself 
Mr. Brown and Mr. Kreider. Then, once that's all done, we will go and have a screening of Stacy Brown's latest installment in the Skunk Ape Experiment. Tickets are available now. You can find the link for the Eventbrite for those tickets in the show notes and on our Facebook post. Again, on that site, you will find the regular general admission tickets for Saturday. You will find the add-on tickets for the VIP dinner on Friday night. You can also purchase your vendor's ticket through that site. And if you are interested in helping sponsor the event, you can get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com and I will get you all the information you need to sponsor the event. I'd also like to announce that there are a block of rooms that are being held at a special rate at the Quality Inn and Suites in Niles, Michigan. The address for that is 1265 South 11th Street, Niles, Michigan, 49120. Telephone number there is 269-684-3900, and they are extending us a special rate for a room with two queen beds at $120 per night. This hotel is a mere 25 minutes south of Sister Lakes Brewing Company in Dwajak. So if you're going to need a room, we got you the special rate. Just make sure when you call there, that you reference Bigfoot and Brews for the discounted rate. Then, just about a month later, on October 6th, 7th, and 8th, you can join myself, Bo Kennedy from the Bump Podcast, the boys and girls from the Cryptids of the Corn, Steve and Kyle from A Hollow Sky, Chris and Sean from Kill the Mockingbirds, and all three of the gentlemen from Appalachian Intelligence for the first ever 40 and Airwaves podcast conference. That's going to be held in Ada, Ohio, and the tickets are only $50. That $50 is going to get you the entire weekend with us. Starts off Friday night with a impromptu meet and greet in the courtyard at the Inn in Ada, Ohio. Then Saturday is a full day of each one of these podcasts taking the stage to do their thing. You will have an opportunity to peruse all of the podcast vendor tables to pick up your merch from your favorite podcast, whether it be t-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, mugs, what have you. I also want to announce that JJ Rose 777, who has been a guest on my show and some of the others, she will be the MC for the day. That next morning, after the event, before you guys mount up and start heading back home, we're going to head down the road just a few minutes, and we are going to provide each and every one of you with a pancake breakfast. Just a nice little way of us saying thank you for spending your weekend with us, and thank you for your support. So again, $50 gets you the Friday night meet and greet, the whole conference on Saturday, and the pancake breakfast Sunday morning. Again, there will be a link tree link in the show notes of this episode. You can also visit any of the aforementioned podcasts for the links. 50 bucks. You can't beat it with a stick, people. I highly recommend come out, hang out with us, 
and just get weird for the whole weekend. Uncomfortable Patreon is live. Head over to patreon.com slash uncomfortablepodcast770. Check out all three of the levels that we have there. I'm sure you'll be able to find something that interests you. Patreon is the only place that you can get my uncomfortable afterthoughts and a little uncomfortable video series. Also, all of the regular episodes are aired there ad-free. As for tonight's show, it is going to be a bit of a grab bag for you tonight. We have recorded one of our recent Discord live chats, and we've got some interesting stories from some of the participating members in that. So, if you're ready for it, let's get into it. First off, we're hearing from Tim Sedano from Paranormal Insight with some of his experiences. Uh, yes, yeah, sure. here we go. I was actually, I uh, did an interview with Tommy Collum over from um, Let's Get Freaky recently, and I promised him this story. Well, not really promised him, but uh, I said I'd tell him the story next time I was on, but it's, it's freaky enough that uh, I think uh, you guys deserve to hear it. Um, this happened when I was approximately 18, 19. And at that time, just after high school, I was doing private investigation, private investigation. I can't talk, sorry. And, um, I had just come off a case that had just, you know, psychologically done me in. I took two weeks off. I was so flabbergasted by what had happened and uh, I kept having this recurring fear that if I'd ever did what I, okay I should say I was it was a surveillance I was on that went kind of off the rails and I, I had this fear in the back of my head that if I ever did a surveillance again my life would be in danger and I was actually considering getting a gun and uh, I, I had a little bit of anxiety about it because at the time I didn't know too much about guns before I went to the Air Force and learned all that stuff. But um, I fall asleep one night and uh, it's a hot night, kind of like it is now, about this time of year. And um, I remember I have this... A sensation I can't really put in the words other than to say I felt like I inhabited someone else's body. Astral projected, perhaps. I'm not sure. And this only came to mind uh, when I was talking to Tommy. So this is a recently recalled memory. And in this the, the funny the strange thing is the room i was sleeping in looked exactly like the room in my dream except the paint was a different color on the walls even though it was it was at night when this dream happens and there's a red neon light i mean it was straight out of a noir film but in color 
and uh, I am not me. I actually go to the little tiny bathroom in this room. There's a sink there, you know, like a like a sink with a mirror in front of it, and um, put some cool water on my head. And I have long hair, and I don't look like myself. I'm a very rugged looking individual, about three inches taller than I am, so I'm six three in the dream. And I have long hair, like, uh, I'd say, like Mel Gibson length, back in when, when he was doing those uh, uh, buddy cop movies. And I got, I got a, a white a tank top on. I don't wear tank tops and uh, boxers. And put some cool water on my brow and... I lay back down, I try and get some sleep, and I reach under my pillow. You know, cross my arms up behind my head, and I reach under my pillow in doing so, and I feel my gun there. 45. That was what I was looking at when I was researching guns, by the way. But uh, I know for some reason, I know this is a 45. Why I have it under my pillow, I don't know. But I know I'm super nervous. Something is wrong. And there's a disturbance outside my window. I'm up a couple of floors. And I, I try to ignore it. And... Uh, Some time passes, finally getting a little bit sleepy in the dream. I'm trying to get, I'm falling asleep. It was a weird sensation. And wham, the door gets kicked in. There's this dude there. He's got to be at least 6'5", built like a linebacker. He's got a trench coat on, one of those fedora hats. He aims a shotgun at me, fires. I feel the bullets, I'm sorry, the, the shot hit me. And I pull my forty-five out and I shoot him back. And that's when I wake up. Now here's the really especially weird part. The dream didn't subside. My eyes were wide open. And for it what seems like a short eternity, this man, whoever he was, crumbles to the floor. And finally, everything, and I look at my stomach, my stomach is bleeding profusely. And there's this guy, I, again, he's nothing but a black shadow. He crumbles to the floor and finally everything very, very slowly fades away into this reality. And it's me, I'm in bed, I'm not shot, I'm fine, I'm panting like a dog that's been running the marathon or uphill or whatever and uh that experience i'm probably not putting into the giving it enough gravitas the, that experience was truly for me quite horrifying i mean to feel the sensation of getting shot and pulling the you know firing back at someone was 
it, I, it haunted me for a long, long time. Okay, that wasn't as long as I thought. But uh, yeah, I, I woke up and I, <laughs> I was okay. But I don't know. I, to this day, the fact that those images and that sensation and everything lasted after I opened my eyes was, you know, still haunts me. I don't know what happened. I slip into another reality, an astral project somewhere. What happened? So when you, when you woke up and everything was still there, you didn't have like a, you didn't have one of those things where somebody wakes up from a dream and then wakes up from the dream again. It was, you were like, you were certain you were awake and just like. I was positive I was awake. I could feel the ache in my gut. I mean, that's the only way I could think to describe it was an ache. My hands were covered in my own blood. Blood was pumping out of my stomach. This guy was wheezing in the corner. And the way everything finally faded out was exactly like that. Everything very slowly faded away. It wasn't gone with a blink of my eye. It wasn't, you know, waking up and then waking up. It was a fade away. Like, I don't know, (laughs) some weird. It's almost like you were experiencing somebody else's experience. It's like you were reliving something that happened to somebody else. That very well could be. I, I would, uh, I tend to go along with that analysis. Uh, that's pretty much what it felt like that I had encountered someone else's last moments. The place that you were at when you had this, was there any history to that, that place? No, none. Yeah. That's crazy. It was definitely uh, an experience I will never, ever forget. Hmm. I don't think I've never had anything like that. Maybe the closest thing was like when I got the phone call from my dad. You know, I mean, I was awake. I know I was awake, but I still, I was questioning myself. Was I awake? Um and then the phone rings again, and it was like I was obviously awake. So, yeah, that was a that was a fantastic moment. <laughs> By the way, I love that story. Who's up next, Sess? You want to go? Yeah, I can go. Um, my story is shorter. It's um, well, I'll just go ahead and tell it. I won't tell what it's about. So I was about 20 years old and I lived in a small town where I grew up. It's called Huntsville, Texas. And there's nothing to do in that town. So every weekend, um, not every weekend, some weekends I would go to Houston. And this one weekend I was going down there to stay with a girlfriend and I had gotten dressed to go to the club right when I got there and I, I headed out. Um, it wasn't, it was late afternoon, I guess. And I got, um, so like between Huntsville and Houston, there's a bunch of little towns and, um, they all kind of, I don't know, they're not really separated, but there, there's feeder roads that go along I-45 
we call them feeder roads or access roads. They kind of go along the whole thing. And there's businesses and some parts it's just the Sam Houston Forest. And um, anyway, so I was kind of in between two, two small towns and I had a blowout in my car. So I pulled over to the side of the road and um, I, I didn't know what I was going to do because – I mean, I probably could have changed the tire if I had to, but I was in my, uh, I was dressed to go to the club. <laughs> I didn't really want to um, do that. So I kind of looked around and there was, um, if I went, so I went across the feeder road, uh, the access road, and there was a house sitting back in the grass um, off the road. It was right off the road. Um, there was like a driveway going up to it. It wasn't really like a gravel driveway. It was kind of a, it kind of looked like it had just been made by cars going that way, if you know what I mean. And so I go up to the door of this house and this lady answers and I can still picture her to this day. She had on like a house dress, house, not a house coat, but like a house dress. I don't know how to explain it, but, um, she had short hair. I, I remember what she looked like. And I asked, I told her I had a blowout, you know, cause she was anybody there that can help me. Um, so she's like, I, I can't help you, but let me, I can call somebody that'll help you. So she said, so I kind of waited outside and this guy came, uh, that she called in his truck and he, I remember what he looks like too. Um, I think his name was, I don't remember what his name was though, but he took the tire off. Um, I guess it had a hole in it. I got in his truck with him. We went to get it fixed. He didn't look at me hardly at all. He wasn't friendly. Um, I wasn't scared at all. I was probably naive back then, whatever, just hop in somebody's truck and go down. <laughs> but um, he took me to get it fixed. We went back to the car. He put it on and um, I gave him the $20 cash I had in my pocket. And that was that. I went on down to Houston. Uh, it was dark by that time, plenty dark. And I went down there, stayed there the weekend, and was coming back um, up 45, going north. And I was like, well, I'm going to stop and tell that lady, thank you, because I didn't do it when I was there before because it had gotten late and dark and whatever. I just wanted to get back on the road. And um, so I'm driving, and I I remember where it was because it was next to a um, facility that had been there for a long time where, like, it was like a juvenile boys facility. Um, and it was kind of in a not a pasture, but the land next to that. So I was, um, I kind of drove past that and that house wasn't there. <laughs> and so I thought that was very odd because I knew it was there. There was no, there was nothing in the land on the land there. Um, so I don't know what, where it went, but I looked for it every time I would go back to Houston, I would look for it. And it wasn't like I had driven, off the freeway. I mean, I pulled over on the freeway, hopped over across the feeder road and it was there and I never found it again. So I don't know. No house, it wasn't like a, no, house no drive, uh, worn down path, like where cars had been driving up to it. Nothing just gone, just gone. And I, um, yeah, I, I went, I even went down the, the access road, you know, it's like, I know it was to look for to see if there was any kind of sign of anything being there. And it wasn't like it was a mobile home, you know, like she drove it off or anything. Um, but yeah, it was not there. I, I for years, I looked <laughs> that place and never saw it again. So I don't know. 
How strange. Kind of reminds me of the movie that JJ suggested for me not too long ago. What was that called, JJ? The house on the bayou? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I know. I, I like, I mean, the only way I explain it to myself is that somebody, something was looking out for me and put help yeah. where I needed it, you know. But who called the driver? The lady at the house. And, okay. I, I thought the lady at the house, you, you couldn't find her anymore after that. Is that correct? That is correct. The house was gone. This was, but uh, when she did that, I had the blowout. And then after that, she called the guy and he came and helped me and everything. And I went to Houston and stayed for a couple of days and came back and it wasn't there. Gotcha. Okay. So I wonder if the guy who helped you out was, you know, something or someone alternate or different or ghostly or whatever it is too. Yeah. I don't know. He was, I definitely felt, I mean, like I said, I wasn't scared at all. I just thought it was really weird because he wouldn't, he would hardly look at me. He wouldn't talk to me unless I asked him a question or anything like that. I mean, he just seemed, I just chalked it up to like, he's grumpy that he's having to help me. I didn't know, but yeah. That that was going to be my question was, did you have interaction with him? Like where, where there was a, a back and forth. So he, he was recognizing that you were actually there and you were recognizing that he was actually there. Yes. That's strange. I know. And he drove me to this place where he knew the people like a repair shop or whatever. And they patched my tire, went back, put it on. He still doesn't not talking much to me, but, um, and then I said, you know, I don't have much cash. I have this $20. He just took it and left. <laughs> <laughs> Did did it seem like there was a relationship between the the gentleman and the woman at the house? Uh, like they knew each other, yes, but yeah. not like he lived there or anything like that. How crazy. What about the people at the service station? Did that service station actually exist? I don't know. I mean, I, I was there, but I wouldn't have known... Like I didn't pay enough attention when we were going there to know where I was, would have been, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's crazy. Did his truck look like to the time period when this happened or did it look like an older truck or different? It definitely wasn't like a new fancy truck or anything. It was like, um, you know, like a work truck or, um, it was, it was to the time, but older. You know, not new. That's interesting. I was, I was thinking the same thing, JJ. <laughs> yeah, same. Huh. I mean, how crazy would that be to go back, like firmly know where you were, and then go back and find that none of what you saw was there anymore. Yeah, it is very strange. And like I said, the first time when I was driving back from Houston, I kind of like thought, well, I must have missed it, but I, I know it was next to that 
facility and but i don't know but i'll just look for it the next time i go down or whatever and i never saw it i never it was never there how many more times did you look for it oh plenty i like i said i was kind of running the roads back then so i went down to houston a lot and i have family in houston and i mean every time we would go to the mall in houston every time i would go down i would look for it I still could tell you where it was going down there now. Um, but of course it's a lot different now. They've built something there. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That would, I mean, that, that play with your head. It would have to, I mean, I don't know. I kind of, I didn't really think about it too much back then. It wasn't like, cause I wasn't really, I don't know. I just didn't go that deep back then. Now I think about it and I'm like, that's really weird. But back then I didn't, I just kind of, whatever. I mean, I didn't know. I, like I said, I kind of wanted to think it was some kind of roadside angels or, or <laughs> something, you know, I didn't know, but that's kind of, I just kind of accepted it. I don't know. Yeah. Can I, can I ask, um, not, to be nosy and if you don't want to talk about it that's fine but like your your religious persuasion um at the time yeah i have none none back then or now i I wasn't raised in the church um we went to like a church called first christian church um for a little bit because all my friends were going and i got and i wanted to go and be in the choir and i did that but we didn't uh, but my parents let's see my um on my dad's side i guess it was like southern baptist and then my mom's side i don't know what they were but we i didn't go to church growing up It's interesting to me when people have experiences where the possibility of what they had an experience was with something, um, I don't know, I guess you could call it either divine or, um, you know, a guardian type situation that, that really have no basis in religion in their life and yet they still are able to experience something like that i mean i think that's i think that's a little more i think that's a little more telling of the um how do i say that I think it's a little more telling of the power of something other. Uh, yeah, I know what you're saying there. Yeah. I totally get it. And maybe if I had had a religious background, she wouldn't have been just in her house coat in it. She would have been more, I don't know, uh, yeah, angelic maybe. looking or something. Maybe the way that it was presented to you was in a less uh, shocking manner than had you been a full-blown, you know, follower of Christianity or, you know, Judaism or whatever, whatever religion. Um, Yeah. So that it wouldn't have been as, as jarring of an event for you. 
I don't know. That's strange. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't, I, I, I went to church when we, on occasion, you know, with my cousins or, you know, everybody goes on Easter or whatever like that. So I had knowledge of church. We just didn't practice or go regularly. Yeah. Good story. I have a question for Tim, if that's okay. Sure. Go for it. So the man or the big whatever shadow or whatever that came in, was there any vocal interaction? Do you remember or just the feeling? Um, no, not even when he hit the door. Cause he had to kick the door in. There was no grunt or anything. The door just flew open. He, he stepped into, you know, cause from the kick, he has to land plant the other foot and the, I guess the shotgun was already cocked and he fired. Interesting. I don't know. Hallelujah, goat. What do you got? Not a thing. Never had anything weird happen? <laughs> no. What, what interests you about, like, the types of things that we talk about here? What is it that, what is it that, without having had an experience of anything, what is it that attracts you to, to this kind of stuff? Uh, it's just, my grandpa was a, this old, weird, hermit type of guy. Um, so, like, in the, I guess, maybe 40s or whatever, he would go out and do, like, ghost hunts and investigate like lake monsters and UFO landings and everything that, you know, wasn't cool at the time. Yeah. But made him have a, made it, made him sound like he was a weird fella. So ever since then, like, you know, he would tell me the stories and stuff when I was growing up and it kind of intrigued me. So yeah, so that's where I got my bug for it. Can you share one of the one of his stories that really kind of yeah. impacted you? Um, well, he used to tell me, well, a few times he told me about the story when he was out uh, fishing from Barbut, which is like a little catfish. Um, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, no houses or anything around. When, uh, and he said he would, some nights he'd be sitting there and he would hear one of those old steamboats going by, you know, like the with the big router that makes the splashing and stuff. Yeah, he like said, like a paddle boat. Those, yeah, like a big one, right? Yeah. Where they had the parties and stuff. He said he would hear those go by, hear the laughter and everything, but there would be no boat. Um, another time in the same area, he said that he had a. So the lake monster of the area come towards his boat. Oh, really? There was no, there was no ripple or nothing. He said it was coming, then it went down, and it came up the other side and just kept on going. So it just um, yeah, it went underneath him and just didn't mess with him. Just yeah, then it, it just went underneath, went, and there was no ripple or nothing. It just he said it just 
came up, down, on the, came up the other side. Um, he told me a UFO story before where um, there's this place called Meath Hill, and it apparently a UFO landed there or whatever, and he went there and he investigated and everything. He said he didn't see anything except for a big circle that was all burnt. And that's all he's seen. So, yeah, he would tell me stories like that. It was, it was pretty cool. Can you uh, can you recall as far as the lake monster that you're talking about that was around the area that he was in? Do you have, do you remember what it was called or or the area that it was? It's Cobden Lake. Say it again, I'm sorry. It was Cobden Lake. Bin, B-I-N? Uh, C-O-B-D-E-N. Mussy. M-U-S-S-I-E. Oh, I never heard of it. Yeah, there's that guy, and there's another one in Lake Ontario too, but... The one around my hometown was the Mussy. Interesting. Um, he never told me any stories about Bigfoot or anything. Um, yeah, but yeah, he was like really, really, really old, strange little old man. Was he like kind of on the eccentric side? Yeah, very. Like, I mean, even when I was growing up, um, <laughs> I'd be getting a you know, when the bus picks you up at school, takes you home, whatever. Mm -hmm. When we go by his house, people will be like looking out the window by at his house because in his, there's an old log house and in the windows he had like all these like little skeletons of mice and snakes and these little weird creatures. It was really, it was really funny because I'd be just sitting there like no big deal, but all the kids were mystified, like just in awe with his house every single day. Um, yeah, he's pretty much a hermit. I think he made his living off of uh, catching fish and picking dewworms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he was like a... He was like uh, really... Uh, my father told me one time too what he did was he uh, during hunting season it's not a scary story or whatever. I don't know. I'm just going to mumble. Um, so yeah, so during hunting season, they were all trying to hunt and stuff. And it, it was, it was fall and there was no deer anywhere. Right. So that night everybody was in their camps and what he did, he had these, like these boards with little hoofs on the bottom, like little uh, deer, deer hoofs. <laughs> and what he did was he went around all his son's camps stomping around in the snow so when they <laughs> so when they woke up in the morning they would would see they saw all these trails and stuff so it was it's pretty cool that you you do shit like that <laughs> but yeah so other than that yeah i never had no experiences myself i was kind of kind of boring like that Do you want to have experiences like that? I mean, do you? Um, yeah, I really would like to have some. I mean, it would probably terrify the hell out of me. I thought I saw a ghost one time when I was in Quebec, Quebec City in the old town. Um, Quebec City has a 
an old fort. Well, I guess it's like an old town. Um, so there's a part of the town where the the wall there's a wall around this old part of the town, so it's all like cobblestone and you know really old buildings and there was a big battle in the chains of Abraham there, so there was like a lot of soldiers killed and whatever. Um, so anyways, on my honeymoon, my boss got us a um, uh, hotel room, me and my wife a hotel room for our honeymoon down there. So it was in this really old hotel and stuff. And we check in and stuff, and for the whole time, I'm like having a weird feeling. I'm looking around for ghosts and stuff, and I you know, my wife's just like, you know, settle down. There's not going to be anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we end up going into the room or whatever. After a while, you know, it's time for bed or whatever. I take my glasses off, put them on a nightstand. And I feel this, I feel something watching me. Yeah, I was, I was freaking out. And then, so I start looking around and I can't really see very well because I don't got my glasses. And then over up in the corner, I see green light. And it was blurry and just when my eyes are like it, it's moving around and stuff, right? <laughs> so I did what you know anybody would do. I start whispering to my wife and like, look, look over there. Look up in the corner. <laughs> and she does, she looks in the corner and she gave me shit because it was just a fire alarm. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was scared. But it looked I like was, it, it looked like a glowing orb because your your blurry eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was so scary. Too. Um, and another time that I really freaked out about a ghost was there's this place back home, up in the hills. It's called um, Buck Hill. Have you heard of that place? No. Well, bas- basically, what it is, it's um, I guess some back in the day some. Some guy's daughter went missing, and he went around looking for her, and you know, with a lantern and trying to find her. So what the what the locals would do, or people would go there, they would go up on top of this hill with their cars. Now, they would point their car lights downhill, and when it gets dark, you're supposed to flash your lights, and this ghost is supposed to appear, and you know, with their lantern and everything. <laughs> So I ended up, me and my friend went out there, me and my friend Carrie, and we're sitting there in the car, but we ended up getting, feeling pretty good, just put that way. <laughs> so I was sitting all basically wrecked on my tree, and I just kept on picturing in my head this ghost coming up beside the car with a lantern, and for the whole time I started getting more and more and more scared, and then finally she said she was scared, and I, I, I just floored it out of there. I, <laughs> I went so fast down those gravel roads. And yeah, those are the only two quote unquote close experiences that had the ghost, which was nothing. So yeah, boring. <laughs> I had, uh, I had gone on vacation with the family, um, years ago. I don't know. Maybe the kids were, might've been nine and 10, 10 and 11, somewhere around there. And uh, we went up. We went up north to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and we spent a day out on <clears throat> Mackinac Island, and then we stayed in Saint Ignace. And uh, the next couple of days, we just did like day trips up, uh, and we went to this um, 
it's a historic state park uh, called Fayette. And um, it's a, it was a, it was a town that was back in the 1890s, I think it was. Um, and basically uh, 1867 to 1891, it was a industrial community that manuf- manufactured charcoal pig iron between 1867 and 1891. And there's, uh, there's several buildings there that have been um, renovated. You know, the much of the buildings are original, and then where they were damaged, they, they repaired it with um, period-looking wood and stuff like that, so it, it doesn't look... Uh, unusual, but there were, there were these, there was like this big brick um, building that seemed like it housed like where the smelting pots would be. That was weird. I just saw a shadow pass across the left side of my (laughs) room. (laughs) Spray. Uh, that was that was significant. Oh shit! Um. Oh hell no, spray. <laughs> yeah. Right here. Be gone, bitches. <laughs> um. <laughs> and the bitches it over at it. <laughs> I did. I sprayed it right at that mother. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's a really interesting town. There was one building where the the town doctor was. There was another building that was um, like a theater where um, traveling um, like road shows that would come in and perform plays or whatever would be in there. And on the inside of that building, there's all kinds of writings on the wall that, uh, you know, from people from back in that time um, that had traveled to there to perform. So like people that were popular in that genre of performing their names and stuff were written on the walls. Um, there was another building that housed some of the, um, the machinery that they used in there. And then there were buildings that were basically like, um, I guess you'd almost consider them to be like early apartments, you know, two, two and three story houses that had a bunch of different rooms in them where people would live. And, um, we were walking through the town and, you know, we were taking pictures, we were on vacation and everything. And, um, this one house, I, I stood back and took a picture of it and up in the top right window of the second floor, there was a mannequin with like period clothing on. So it was, it was like a kind of a blousey woman's dress and looked like she had a, a a pretty good size hat, you know, like a sun hat on. And uh, I mean, it was, it wasn't close enough to the window where you could really see it really good. It was kind of back, but you could definitely see the shape of it and you could definitely see it in the picture. And uh, we got to one of the next buildings, and that was kind of like the the visitor center. 
So they actually had people on staff that were that were there. And there weren't many. I mean, I think there were maybe like three or four people on the entire piece of property. It was a pretty good sized area. And uh, the kids, we were all laughing about, you know, we took a picture of a ghost. And I mean, obviously it was a mannequin. And uh, my daughter said something to the the lady at the desk. And she's like, she looked at me and she just had a weird look on her face. And I'm like, what's the matter? And she goes... I don't know that I should say it in front of the kids. <laughs> I was like, no, that's fine. What? And she goes, there's no mannequins in that house. And I was like, are you serious? Because, you know, and it was a digital camera. So I pulled the picture back up and it had a function on it. It was old Kodak and it had a function on it. If you selected that picture and then you hit the okay, okay button, I think it was, it would, um, it would enlarge it on the little screen on the back of the camera, I think three or four times. So I enlarged it as big as I could. And then I used the dial to, to move it over to that window. And she looked at me and she, she's like, there's no mannequins in that house. She says, I think you got a picture of a ghost. And so I was like, they, I mean, it wasn't open to the public, so we didn't get to walk in there. Um, so she could have been, she could have been joshing me, but uh, she said there was no mannequins in there. Spooky. Funky. Yeah, I'm taking a look at the town on the on Google. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of up the kind of a village. Right? It's the same type of thing. And the bay there is just gorgeous. Beautiful bay there. And we walked onto the, the one side of the... Um, it's kind of like a kind of like a small peninsula that sticks out. We walked onto the other side of that. There was actually a pretty long um, walk that you could take around that whole area on the uh, along the lakeside. And we got to the one side, and you could still find um, clumps of that uh, pig iron in the, in the rocks and everything. It was... And then it just, they cleared it out. I mean, it was, when it was done, it was done. Everybody left. Pretty interesting place. Who's up next? Andrew, how you doing, man? Um, I mean, I can share something tonight if you'd like me to. I'm just not super talkative today, but I, I will. Yeah, if you um, feel like it, man. I'm going to keep it short, though, if that's all right. Sure. When I was younger, much younger, um, you know, we grew up in a in a neighborhood that didn't exist yet. We were the first house in there. Uh, my parents had spent pretty much all their money in acquiring this home. So for the first 15, 16 years of my life, my parents had practically no money. And I had this, uh, this twin mattress and um, one of those... I'm sure every person my age probably has got one. They had these comforters you could get that had all the football helmets from all the teams across the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I had one of those, and it was in twin size to fit my bed. And a little while later, I had, I had upgraded to a full-size bed, which my dad found in a dumpster. But it was bigger, and I was a bigger kid, so I was just happy to have a larger bed. The point putting all that in there was that 
the 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 comforter didn't fit the mattress at all, and I didn't really fit the bigger mattress, let alone the comforter. So it was kind of like trying to snuggle into half a sleeping bag. And um, I would be laying there at night, and I'd wake up to use the bathroom, and my comforter is tugged off into the floor. And I, you know, I'd pull the comforter back up and go back to sleep. Wake up again a little later on, and it'd be in the floor again. Over and over and over, this would happen, and it progressively got more deliberate as weeks went on. You know, I'd figure, well, maybe I'm just kicking it off or tossing in my sleep, and then I'd try laying on it. You know, I'd tuck it in the best I could on both sides, then slide my arms down in there, nice and tight, so that way, mm-hmm. if I even if I rolled it around somewhere. I'd still be on the sheet and it wouldn't end up in the floor. And every time I woke up, it was in the floor. And finally, one day I decided I'm just going to keep my eyes open for a little while longer. And next, next thing I know, something is tugging that football sheet off of me and I can feel it. And I, I mean, it scared the living bejeebies out of me, you know, it, one of the times that it happened, it pulled it so violently, it just like ripped off the bed. I jumped up so fast, hit the light, almost hit my head and the ceiling fan doing it and ran out in the living room, slept on the couch. You know, um, there was a lot of stuff like that that happened when I was younger. A lot of stuff. Um, my feet have been touched by, by ghosts before, which is really bizarre. And still to this day, it makes me freak out whenever one of my kids rub their heads against my feet hanging off the end of the bed. Um, I've heard them talking to me, like vis- verbally to me, uh, like in response. I've, my house is shook violently. Uh, a lot of times, one time it shook so, so hard it actually knocked chandeliers down in the kitchen. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of weird stuff that happened in my youth that I kind of block out. So, like all those extra things that you were just saying, those all happened in the same place. Yeah, same place. Did you did you feel, ever feel like it was um, attached? That it was something that was related to where you were staying, or did you think it was something that was related to you? It could easily be explained by the place I was staying, but that's, I don't think that's what it was. Yeah. I, I think it was me. Actually, I'm pretty confident that it was me at this point in my life. Yeah. How old were you again? Between the ages of 10 and 15. Yeah. And by that, I mean the entire span, at least, if not earlier, if not earlier, but at least by the age 10 to around the age 15, somewhere in there. At 15, did you leave that place or did it just? No, no. uh, I had a series of extraordinary nightmares and um, I feel like I've shared this before, but I had a series of extraordinary nightmares that haunted me for a long time. And along with that, I had shadows that would move throughout the house, and I'd hear voices all the time. And um, it only seemed to happen when I was alone. 
you know, if I was, if I was preoccupied with something, if I was playing with somebody else, if I was out at school or at the store, that, that kind of stuff didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But if I was alone for an extended period of time in the quiet, it was inevitable. It would happen every time for years. And finally I got so exhausted by the lack of sleep and frustration and terror. I just got down and prayed and I prayed for probably 30 minutes straight, if not longer. I don't know. I fell asleep with my knees on the floor, my elbows on the bed. I fell asleep, woke up the next morning. I hadn't been moved. My sheets were still on the bed. Nothing had been touched, nothing had been tampered. There was no dreams. And, you know, weird stuff still happens occasionally, but nothing like that. That was pretty much the end of it. Wow. It's a rough way to grow up. Yeah, and everybody thinks you're crazy. Not everybody. Only close-minded people. Yeah. Well, my dad wasn't around enough to be a dad. My mom was an alcoholic, so there you go. Yeah. Even, even more. Even more reason to say, I'm sorry you grew up that way. Hey, it made it made me who I am today. So, don't feel bad. Who else got something? I do. Yeah. What you Would got? you like me? Sure. All right. Well, first I want to preface this with saying that I am protecting over this because this is pretty heavy. Um, I do have a YouTube about it that I did on my channel, but for the majority of people who don't listen to me, which is absolutely fine, um, I will short form it. So in October of 2016, uh, one of my best friends was moving away. And so we had planned to have a girl's day before she left for her to come over. We were going to drink tea. We were going to talk and do all the girly girl things that we wanted to do. And so in preparation for this day, knowing it was going to be a very long day, very late night, um, you know, I, I made sure I got lots of sleep. So everything was perfect. And we were drinking caffeinated tea, by the way. So, you know, no reason for us to be tired. And a couple hours in to our little tea party, uh, we're we're both just exhausted. Like I'm to the point where I'm looking at her and I'm saying, I know you're supposed to be here until two in the morning, but it's nine o'clock and I can barely keep my eyes open. And she's starting to feel the same way. And so we decide it's okay. We're, we're just going to wrap it up a little early and we both keep getting tired. And so we chug a little more tea, seeing if it helped. It did not. So We proceed to understand we're going to wrap up the night and I walk her to the front door and I actually step out and I look out and in front of my house is a field and the entire field is covered in dark entities and D words. In what? Oh, D words. Yes. Okay. Demon. Um, dark entities, demons, all their minions, a whole bunch of dark things. I mean, there were so many of them. I 
I couldn't even count. And I just basically say we are legion because that's the only way to describe it. Um, she takes a step out and I'm frozen. I'm just staring at this and I'm completely frozen. And she's like me. She can see as well. And she takes a step out, not having, I couldn't even say anything. And she takes a step out and all she could say was, whoa. And we stood there in silence as we're looking at this. And we literally just grab hands because we couldn't even speak to one another. And the assault starts. They start trying to rush up against the house. And I've got my bubble of protection. And there's this really tall, super ugly, gangly thing in the corner trying to get in. And I'm blasting that. And she starts helping me blast this other thing that's trying to get in from the side. And, you know, they were like doing little attacks one after another, just trying to make us look this direction while another one would come in the other direction. And so we're literally doing the Care Bear stare of light, trying to keep these things away from the house. And her and I are not physically talking. We're still holding hands at this point, just doing energy work at this point to try and stave this off. And that went on for about a half an hour to 45 minutes of us just literally standing there doing this light work. Finally, we get the big ugly thing that was trying to get in the real long gangly thing. We get that finally to really go away. And then everything just kind of takes a step or two back and then just stands in formation. Like think old wars where they would like stand in lines like that. And, and there's just standing there. And so finally her and I can speak. And I said, I don't know what's coming in the world, but whatever is about to be unleashed is going to change our entire existence. And she pretty much nodded in agreement because what else can you do at that point? <laughs> so uh, we needed to get her to her car, but her car was outside of my bubble. So I had to wrap her car and literally walk her out to her car with this bubble of light to get her in it. And she then called me on the phone. She only had to go like three miles down the road to go pick up her husband. And that entire ride, which normally is five to 10 minutes, that entire ride, she was on the phone with me and things this legion went so far that it went down the entire three miles she was driving and these things she was driving into them and they were bouncing off her car right and left that's how many of these things there were and obviously I got her to her destination and she was okay I'm still stuck at my house alone <laughs> dealing with all of this and it was probably one of I mean, you wanted creepy stories on here. This is the creepiest, but also most impactful and terrifying things I've ever had happen. And my life has been a thrill ride of weird. But what ended up happening in the world afterwards didn't shock me as much as it shocked other people because it fell in line with what I saw of the mass of these things that were being unleashed. 
Can you describe, like, what you saw? Not not in that as it was a legion, but can you describe the what they looked like? So the tall, gangly thing, I want you to think of um, almost like a round, deathly pale face, like like as if someone took the jack-in-a-box head and made it like a horror, like, you know, the sunken in eyes and the features that are kind of not in existence. And not even, it wasn't even white. It was like this gray powder. And then the body was thin and spindly, almost like, like how do you imagine if old roots formed together to make a person? And it was super tall, like, like imagine a human who's already tall, but on stilts, something of that magnitude. The smaller things were, you know, one kind of looked almost like a warthog, but uglier. Um, There was another one who is more like a caped hooded type figure. I mean, anything and everything awful and horrible that you can think of was there. Okay, so... questions you probably can't answer but why were they there where were they going well i can't answer that um we were being shown what was to be released in the world and shortly thereafter that was released the world changed after that, um, not to go political, but there was an election a couple weeks later that changed the course of America and then the world. But also just with the events in the world that started occurring on almost a daily basis, you know, the world basically delved into chaos. I feel, you know, myself and her being strong light workers that we are that that was being shown to us in a way like in order to show the magnitude of what was to come. So when you witnessed what you saw, were you, were you seeing them? Were they actually there where you were at or were you viewing something that was happening someplace else? And the que- I guess the question is, if it was you viewing them where you were at in that actual location, was there any significance to that area, why that would have been? So a little bit of both. Um, you know, I do live in an area that is a huge hub for a lot of stuff that, gives the ability for a lot of these things, unfortunately, to happen. Um, You know, I live in the Bay Area. 
right? In California. So I live in the hub of where all the tech companies are and all the communication technologies. But, you know, to answer your question, it's a little bit of both. I feel like I was seeing the lesion that was to be released, but were they physically in front of my house, all of them? No, but yes. Um, But there were these different ones because, you know, the majority of the lesion weren't attacking my house. They were just standing in line in formation. There were, I want to say, five to eight different other beings that were trying to attack the house and come at us. But the rest that went all the way down, you know, the three miles that she was driving, those... I mean, she was saying, though, when she was driving, she could feel them hit the car and bounce off. So yes and no. Could you feel them hitting the car? I was not in the car, but I was in the car, if you know what I mean. (laughs) How I'm places that I'm not at physical places. Um, And so, yes, I was not only seeing them, but on the phone with her, I was actually hearing them as well. Have you ever had any kind of a follow-up uh, experience related to that as far as um, you were important enough to be made privy to these things being released? Have you ever been made aware of why you were chosen to do that? I think part of it, is, you know, the person that I was with who experienced it with me, I had worked with her and really kind of trained her and opened her back up in order to do the work. And then she was also helping other people as well. So we were kind of doing the work that I do now, just in a local capacity, right? And it was also giving both of us and all the people that we know a heads up as to what was to come because let's face it. I mean, that election alone changed the course of our country and a lot of people's lives. And it took a lot of people by surprise as well. A lot of people weren't expecting what happened and it shocked a lot of people, but it also, you know, and and I'm not, I'm not saying that I saw this because, oh, I'm so important. I mean, obviously I was given a heads up for a reason, but that reason also spurred me on to want to do the work that I'm doing now in trying to talk to people and be a resource for people like myself, you know, so that they don't have to wade through all these waters of people selling things and pushing agendas and, you know, going down weird rabbit holes that they can just get good information and have a solid resource. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it impacted me enough for me to really want to come out into the open and do this work a bit more. But I think it was also just because of the wide swath of people I know and network of given a leg up as to what was to come and that I was going to need to be that much more at the ready to battle 
what was to come. I don't envy that ability that you have at all. Yeah, wasn't wasn't the greatest end to the tea party. I've had more than a few tea parties that have gone very awry, but <laughs> I still love tea. Um, yeah. It, you sure it, you didn't get some of Jimmy's mushrooms in that tea? <laughs> no. No one wants me under the influence of anything, trust. So... <laughs> Yeah, no. And and like I said, I have a witness. She was here, you know, she witnessed and felt everything I did mm-hmm. as well. Um, and plus also I have absolutely no reason to lie, which we've gone over many times. Why would I make anything like that up? Oh, I wasn't insinuating that. I mean. Well, not you, but, you know, there are probably people out there who think like, oh, okay, someone could just make this stuff up. What's, what's the point in that? Yeah. Especially we're all here tonight being vulnerable, sharing our spooky and creepy experiences. And this, you know, I've had a lot of weird stuff happen, but does it really creep me out? Not necessarily. But this incident, this is probably the closest to abject terror that I've ever endured in my life. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Can I throw one more thing in real quick? Yeah, absolutely. I just, she was, she was telling her story about the entities hit the car, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it sparked something that I didn't really give a lot of thought to until just now. I, I had recently taken a trip to New Mexico and pretty much the whole way down there, everything went good. It was like, 13 hours into the trip. Jesus. And we were going from Los Alamos. No, scratch that. Uh, oh, shucks. Albuquerque. We were, we were leaving Albuquerque and going to Los Alamos. So we were heading up north. And um, the truck started struggling. And... You know, I, I run a three-quarter ton diesel, a programmer, all the works, right? And I had a big old trailer in the back, but my truck doesn't struggle, you know. And mm-hmm. on the way up there, I kind of just assumed it was elevation and temperature. It was hot. Running through the high desert can, can get to a car. But um, on the way back down from Mount Los Alamos, now, mind you, most of the trip back was downgrade, right, downhill. And there'd be times where, you know, I, I had the foot, the pedal halfway to the floor, trying to keep it at the speed limit. Um, it was, it, I, and I said something to my father-in-law. I, was like, I swear it feels like something is dragging this trailer, like something doesn't want us to leave. The truck kept wanting to overheat. I couldn't seem to get enough power built up to get down the hill. 
it was weird. We get down out of Santa Fe, snap your fingers, everyone was normal. Truck, no more truck overheating, no more extra drag, nothing. And it wasn't a windy day. I wasn't climbing a suit, you know, a real steep hill or anything like yeah. that. And it was all the way from Los Alamos to Santa Fe. It felt like something was just trying to keep me there. And I thought that was kind of strange. Now that I'm thinking, thinking about it a little bit, just wanted to share it. I mean, naturally, my question for you is, what was there back there that? would make you think that it was not wanting you to leave? I I don't know. I'll be honest with you. New Mexico is a beautiful state, but they don't call it the land of the enchanted for no reason. Yeah. Weird stuff happens out there. Um, you know, this wasn't my first trip there and it probably won't be my last. It's a weird, weird state. Um, on top of that, my father-in-law does business with some shady characters on occasion, and we 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 had to go get some of his property from a shop. That was the whole point of the, the trip. But you never know what you're actually picking up spiritually. Yeah. You know, it might just it might just be a motorcycle to you. It doesn't mean that something's not attached to that bike. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know. So I don't have happened, any that proof happened, or reason, but I'm just. That happened after you had picked something up? Yes, that's correct. We yeah. picked up, we picked up our, our, our bikes in Albuquerque. And then we went up to Los Alamos to get some of his stuff from his girlfriend's house. And it all started after we left Albuquerque. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's because of that. Yeah. I'm just saying it was strange. Interesting. And, and sometimes we are taken to weird areas because energetically we're just a vessel that's going to be sewing in energy or helping to prep that area for whatever's to come. That's happened to me multiple times where I'm just all of a sudden I've got to go somewhere and it's the most random weirdest place that I would normally never go. And then shortly thereafter something happens. Not always negative, most of the time positive, but sometimes it's also in preparation for whatever's coming. So you never know how spirit's using you. Yep, yep, that's the truth. But hey, guys, it was good talking to you. I'm home. I'm going to let you guys go. Appreciate you sharing your stories. Night. Night. Have a good night. Jimmy. Any chance I can get you to talk about uh, some little fellers uh, at the end of your bed? Yeah, this story is, it's a little bit long. Um, This spanned, oh, God, I don't know. I was probably like eight or nine years old. I just remember my dad had gotten out of the Coast Guard. We're bouncing around all over the United States. It's a god-awful nightmare. Yes. Um, I'm in, obviously, I'm in elementary school. Um, And we land in this house in Missouri. I don't even remember the name of the town. And I just remember it being like a, 
I wouldn't. It was almost like it was a, a prefab home, but reinforced quite heavily. If that makes any kind of sense, like it was, it was weird. But I, it was a three bedroom house. It had like all that classic seventy shit for the wood paneling mm. that you would see on the side of the wall, yeah. and the house was just covered in that crap, and that god awful you know, worn out safety, orange carpet. <laughs> yeah. And the line, had, the, the green chairs and <laughs> the funky no, yellow lamps. <laughs> no, it wasn't quite that bad because we drug all our own shit there. But, um, yeah, so we're living there and my parents are super, super stoked. It's this five acre plot of land. It's got a small, little pond at the far end of the property and uh you know it's got a separate standalone barn about 100 yards off the house and i just remember my folks being super super happy because this was like their dream home and um now this is where things start to get weird so we're there for a few months and like, I don't really know what's going on, but like, I, I just can't really sleep. And then like, I start having these nightmares and it seems like they're, it seems like stuff's coming at me in my sleep. So I'm like, Okay. Now I'm eight or nine years old, but uh, fairly early on, I was kind of traumatized by travel. So it was um, like, I knew what a nightmare was. I'm like, okay, this is just, this is all in my head. This is all in my head. I got to figure out how to beat this. Can I ask what, what was coming at you in your dreams? uh, It was just, a general sense of unease and uh, it just kept getting worse and worse. I would uh, eventually I started waking up in the middle of all this crap and realizing that it wasn't this shit ain't nightmares. There's something coming after me and it didn't happen all the time, but it was, um, Bear in mind, this is also like the 80s. We're living out in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, the closest neighbor was this old dude that lived in a hundred year old prairie house about three quarter mile down the road. And it was a gravel road. The next closest neighbor was in the opposite direction, two and a half miles away. And again, gravel road. So I, we're fairly isolated. This is this is farm country, and it's just super, super. The skies were clear every night. Obviously, except for when it was you know snowing or raining or cloudy. 
but you know, there was no light pollution or anything. You would look up and you would see sky. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, like I started waking up in the middle of all this crap and it's the eighties. The only thing I'm interested in on television is DuckTales, Chippendales, Rescue Rangers, G.I. Joe, and X-Men. Yes. That's it. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to watch. Nothing else matters. If it involves a real person, get that shit off the TV. Throw some animation on there. That's... So I didn't know what aliens were. I didn't know what ghosts were. I didn't know what any of that crap was. Um, you know, my grandma had died a couple of years before, but you know, it was obviously that was fairly painful, but, um, you know, but the idea of her not being in heaven just didn't really register with me. So like I said, like, I didn't know, I didn't know what ghosts were. Uh, but anyways, I started waking up in the middle of the night and there'd be these three black figure or not black figures, three short figures with black eyes. Classic, no nonsense, gray aliens. And I was just like, okay, I'm terrified. I'm waking up to this shit and I can't move. Like I'm frozen, locked down, just like I can't move. And I have this um, intense hatred of snakes right now in my life. And honestly, it stems from this because these things would be off to the left side of my bed because it was I was where the door was like my head was actually towards the door I I had my room set up kind of goofy but um my head was towards the door my feet were towards one window there was another window off to the left but there was a pretty good gap between my feet and the window but when I woke up they were just like kind of hovering or or not hovering they were just like around the edge and I would see them realize I couldn't move and I would feel this thing slithering up my leg like cross one leg go over to the other leg and then start working its way up and every single time by the time it hit my knee I'd black out and just wake up completely exhausted the next day. And this would happen sometimes a couple times a week, sometimes, you know, just a couple times a month. But it happened for the vast majority of the time that we lived there. But which was, that was which was how long? Oh, uh, we were there for about, um, Right around a year. Okay, so you're having prolonged experiences with this 
span in a year. Oh yeah, the entire time. Yeah, it's it's a shit show, and I don't know what any of this is. I don't know how to talk to my folks about any of this crap. So, I mean, how do you have a conversation with somebody about something if you don't know how to describe any of it? And it's not just that either. Like uh, the whole astral projection thing, that was my introduction. Sorry, I got a car driving by and I'm outside. So um, astral projection was introduced to me during this time as well but it's not like it was a voluntary thing at all. It was like I was getting kicked out of my own body, left to wander the property in the middle of the night. And then eventually I would be allowed to go back home and my body would be there in bed. And I'd just be like, okay, that happened again. They were kicking you out of your body. I don't know if it was them or what the score was, but it was bizarre and was I, was this was this happening at the same time that you were having those experiences with the entities at the side of your bed or with these additional additional things that were happening during the time you were there oh these were additional things that were happening oh, okay yeah so i uh, like I'm like eight years old, nine years old. I feel like I have absolutely no control with what's going on with my own body. And then like, and this is where it got really, really weird. Um, finally this happened. Um, this was, Oh, this was like in the middle of fall because the corn was like, and I got a fucking hatred of cornfields now because of this sorry about the f-bomb but um, but when we moved there i thought that these cornfields were super super cool so i'm like all right i'm gonna go in there and i'm gonna play because i mean it's like a half mile you know it's whatever kid growing up in the 80s you know you go outside you just be home by dark and um i remember i had never gone from one end of this field to the other I'd just gotten home from school, threw my bag off inside. My uh, homework was non-existent because I'm at that tender age where that don't mean shit. And uh, so I just, I kick everything off, but it's still warm outside. And I think to myself, I'm finally going to go to the end of that field through the corn. It's broad daylight. It's like, you know, three, four o'clock in the afternoon. And then, um, as I'm going through it, I just like, just had this weird sense of this is stupid. Why am I doing this? I don't know why I'm doing this. And I step out, I'm just like, I'm like three or four rows in. I'm not that far into it at all. So I just, I hook up, hold on, trying to. Uh, I hook a right, I go through the uh, couple rows there, I end out on the gravel road, and I'm looking at this, that prairie house that I was saying, that that house had to be like 100, 120 years old, like an old 
Sears catalog house that like they would order and they would mm-hmm. just they'd build that up. It looked just like one of those. And it was like a a beat up kind of not well maintained white color with like some paint chipping. And I'm like, all right, well I know where I'm at. And I get home and my mom is pissed. My dad's chewing my ass and I have no idea what's going on. And it's like six o'clock at night. I had been gone for like two and a half hours. I had traveled three quarters of a mile in a straight line. And it was just like, okay, I don't know what to say. You know, take my legs, move on. And um, then all the corn got cut, started getting chilly. And uh, out of the blue, oh, wait, no, let me back that up a little bit. Like a um, Unsolved Mysteries with old white dude. Mm-hmm. Get on there. Well, that started to become a thing on television that my parents were getting into. And they did one of their UFO episodes, you know, big black eyes. And I think I had made the comment like, Hey, I've seen those. And real quick, my parents just rushed me and my brothers off to bed. And then like three months later, we're moving. Really? And yeah, this is where it, another bizarre twist. So we get the house sold. Um, my dad scouts out ahead in this beat up old blue and white Ford F-150. And he took my dog with him. I had a dog and, uh, Lost the dog along the way. Uh, that sucked, but... You lost your dog? Yeah, well, my dad took the dog because my dad wanted company for the drive. Yeah. You know, it was like uh, the first time I lived in Oregon was as a result of this. We moved out to Oregon um, from Missouri. And my dad just wanted, like something familiar around him. Mm-hmm. So we end up in Oregon city and, uh, like I have no idea where we're going or anything. We just pack up everything that we could fit into the, into the, uh, van that we had and off we go. And we end up in, Oregon city. And now over the course of one year, this house went from my parents' dream house to we are getting the F out of Dodge. And I'm wondering if my parents were dealing with the same thing as a result of this property. 
I don't know if there was just something about the property or whatnot, but, you know, like I said, we end up in uh, Oregon City. And we're there for like six months. And we've moved twice in town. You know, you move into a place, you don't think you're going to stay there for very long. It's just like, it's like a all right, your foot's in the door for the community kind of a deal, and then you get into another place. Right. It's more appropriate. Um, so we get into town. I don't even remember where the hell we lived, uh, but we ended up in this blue house like a block and a half away from the school that I ended up going to. And uh, the uh, just out of the blue, we get a phone call from the new owners of the house. Like we weren't in the phone books. We, there was no forwarding information or anything. Like when we left cut ties done, Mm -hmm. that was it moved on. And, uh, that was it. I have no idea how the dude found us, but he found us the the new owner that the husband of the family that bought the house mm-hmm. well he had two kids and uh his daughter was like five years older than me six years older than me something like that i remember she she was a teenager and i'm not gonna lie i was like eight nine years old and i thought she was really really pretty <laughs> I was like, wow, she's just really, really pretty. And, but her dad calls up and he's just trying to rip my dad a new asshole. Talking about how that house made his daughter sick and like now his wife's going crazy. And, you know, cause we sold him a shit house and, you know, my dad, all he said before he hung up the phone was like, yeah, that was our problem. Now it's yours. Good luck. And that was that. Really? Oh, yeah. For years, I couldn't sleep near a window at all. And I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't look at a cornfield without getting creeped out. And I don't know. I don't think they were ghosts. Um, but I don't necessarily think they were aliens either. I think it was like an interdimensional thing or something. I think there was something on that property that allowed them to just kind of traverse really, or something near the property. But I mean, that whole area, like they had pick of the litter on that one because there's nothing law enforcement's an hour away on a good day, you know, it's the emergency services was a volunteer fire department that like, if you were lucky, they would, a couple of guys would be able to show up in a half hour, Yeah, you know? So like if your house caught fire, good luck, buddy, you're out of the game and that's it. But yeah, that's, um, so nothing ever followed you. Once you guys left there, your, your issues were done. Exactly. When we left there, 
our issues were done. But like when I told you about that thing in Papua New Guinea, like I had a the next day I had a sinking feeling that it was connected to that. Yeah. Like I didn't have any issues for the most part. And then that thing happened. And then it was like the next day as I'm trying to process everything, like I just kept going back to those memories when I was a kid. Like it, it had to be associated with that. And that was it. And yeah, it's, Oh, there's plenty of other weird shit in my life. I mean, don't get me wrong, but like that was the first legit no holds barred paranormal um, chicanery that ever happened in my life. It's interesting and, that you oh, say that you're not convinced that it was like extraterrestrial or demonic. Well, back then I was because I was unfamiliar with the concept of it being a an interdimensional creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the idea of like a, a multiverse that didn't become a real thing to me until I know it's absolutely stupid. Uh, do you remember that show sliders from the nineties? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like when the idea of a multidimensional universe was laid out for me. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That makes I could see where this would make sense. And, you know, but like it, I didn't connect the interdimensional aspect of it to what I was happening, what was happening to me as a kid until, oh God, I don't know, probably, probably the last year. And that's when it really all started to kind of click together for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, like spiritual stuff tends to have certain earmarks. And, you know, it, either it's associated with the the place that you're at or an item that's in the place that you're at or it's attached to you or it's attached to a family member. And, you know, with you leaving and not having any more issues with it. And then hearing that phone call with your dad, that it makes me think that there's something with that property. Yeah, that's what I think it was too. Um, it was, yeah. I mean, where like, was I that? Thought, where was that? It was in, uh, it was in Missouri. It was, I don't know what direction from St. Joseph, Missouri it would have been, but it was about an hour's drive and it was not towards Kansas city. It was in one of the other directions. Yeah. And where are you at now? What do you, where, where's your brain at now on the whole thing? You're, you're, you're just locked in on, it was something extra dimensional. Um, I'm not necessarily locked in onto it. Uh, it's just, it seems to be the explanation that makes the most sense. I mean, why the hell would an aliens want to come, you know, however many thousands of light years to come to earth to, you know, 
effectively shove a chunk of metal up my ass. What kind of degenerate shit is that? Um, and then uh, on a spiritual level, I mean, it could have like been some bizarre combination of spiritual slash interdimensional, but I honestly don't think it was extraterrestrial. Yeah, my my viewpoint on on that whole traveling <clears throat> hundreds of thousands of light years is uh, to come to come visit the cesspool that we have going on right now has changed. I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to put more credence to the uh, that they're that they're here alongside of us and we just don't perceive them all the time and whether it's a uh, uh, thinning of the veil or whether it's a intentional thing by them to let us perceive them I don't know but I'm, re- I'm really starting to I'm really starting to fall into the idea of believing that it's multi-dimensional it's just that to me that's the one that makes the most sense and that's it but yeah that that was the that was the kicker for a lot of the weird in my life and it left an impact for years yeah So you made the statement, you know, sticking a steel thing up your bum. I mean, did I miss? I mean, I know you said you had the thing that, like, crawled up your leg across your knees. But you have you have memory of that being done to you? Uh, no. No, I oh, don't. Okay. All right. I don't have any memory of like anything like that happening to me. It felt like, um, like a metallic snake. Like it was just wrapping around my ankles to take me someplace. Like it was a lasso to drag me around. Yeah. And that was, that's what it felt like more than anything. Um, but it was just, I, it was cold like metal. I mean, it was, it was wake you up cold and it, it moved like a snake and it went across one leg. It was like whoever was driving that thing did a, they didn't really know what the hell they were doing and they were just trying to sort it out as yeah. they were going. It was just like, I got the new guy, but by the time it got up to my knees, cause like I was like four foot tall at the time, you know, four foot, nothing. But by the time it got to my knees, like, I, I don't know if it was like a panic deal or whatever. That's what I was wondering too. Um, but I just blacked out and I, I wouldn't remember anything and I'd just wake up exhausted. Um, not sore or anything like the muscles in my arms would be sore, but 
you know, and then I'd go get changed in the bathroom, uh, you know, take a quick shower or something before school. And there'd be no bruises, no nothing. Um, but I'd be a little bit sore and, you know, just really, really tired. Yeah. And yeah, it was, I just, later on in life, I, I kind of got the vibe that I'm, I mean, if you really want to break it down, I guess technically you could consider it an alien because it's not of this realm. I mean, I think it's like more interdimensional than uh, extrasolar. So, yeah. That's kind of where I'm at on it. That'd have been scary as hell as being an eight, nine year old kid seeing that at the end of your bed. That 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 bugs me now. I mean, uh, I mean the the reaction your dad had with that phone call makes me think that there was uh, and and how they rushed you off to sleep uh, it makes me think that there was some. Uh, some extra knowledge on their hands that, uh, yeah, my, uh, my parents for as wonderful as they could be and for all their failings as well. Um, I think that they were going through the same thing. And uh, at the time, my parents, they were chain smokers and yeah, my dad, uh, was, an alcoholic, but he was sober. I, I remember when he went to rehab and, uh, it, he had just gotten out like three years before. So it was, um, yeah. So my parents didn't drink, but both of them would choke down two packs of smokes a day. And, well, you know, yeah, they just couldn't get, they they couldn't get out of there quick enough. They couldn't get us out of there quick enough. It was, and from being their dream home to, to yeah, that. to a nightmare. Yeah. So, well, I often thought about trying to get a hold of my dad to uh, figure out, you know, where that place was. But I I have absolutely no desire to talk to that man whatsoever oh i'm sorry no it just um it yeah there's that's a messed up story all the way through but yeah so i haven't talked to him in two years and i imagine one day i'm gonna have to have a conversation with him and that day is gonna have to come shortly because you know he's almost 70 years old yeah What about Sage? Sage, do you have uh, anything that you did not already share with me in our episode? Mm, I got one story that comes to mind, I guess, but it's this one time at band camp. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say that all night. <laughs> yeah, I got like a, a ghost story. Do you? Yeah. So, um, second pregnancy, 
Where I was living in Alaska, small town Seward, you're like four hours from the hospitals in Anchorage. So you go up there for all your appointments. So my dad's going up for one of his. So he's like, I'll take you to yours. It was like an ultrasound baby number two. And anyway, we end up staying the night at his uh, lady friend's house and she has a daughter my age and the boyfriend's over. And so we get there kind of late. We're about to go to bed and I'm in the daughter's room. And, uh, so I go to go to bed and as I'm turning off the lights and settling into the bed, I notice that the radio comes on by itself and it's on a rock channel. I'm like just listening for five, six seconds. And then it turns off on its own as I'm trying to find the off button, like before I could touch a button. And I thought, okay, that's great. This is weird, but whatever. Like there's a cat on the bed. Remember my whole thing with like my ex told me cats were a good signal, you know? So I was like, okay, there's a cat on this bed, whatever. I'm tired. I'm like third trimester pregnant. So I lay down And I don't know, it was like 11 at night, maybe 10. I think I was asleep for a few hours. And, but as I was like trying to sleep for those few hours, I kept waking up and looking up to the left-hand corner of the room. And I just felt like something was watching me, but I couldn't figure it out, right? It's just a freaking, it's a blank corner. There's nothing there. And the cat's still in the bed. So I kept trying to sleep. And then I wake up again. And this time I wake up to children talking in the hallway it sounds like an older sister telling a younger brother whispering saying and because the bedroom door was cracked to the hallway everything's dark it's like two or three a.m no one's awake and I hear the little girl she's like hey don't do that like leave her alone no come here (laughs) so I sit up and I Hey, Charlie, is that you? Which was the daughter. Cause I'm thinking, well, her and her boyfriend are in the bedroom next to me downstairs and no one responded. So I got up, turned on the light, went to investigate, you know, the hallway is empty. The bathroom's empty. And I thought I'm not going back to bed till I figure this out. So I tapped on their bedroom door. The TV was on in there. It was on static. Like I went in, they were drunk and passed out. <laughs> like her and her boyfriend are just black like yeah and static tv and i'm like what the heck is going on here so i'm like oh that's so creepy so at that point i was pretty freaked out i grabbed my blanket and pillow because the cat was gone so i was like i'm going upstairs where my dad is he's on the couch upstairs in this like condo and upstairs was like the mom's bedroom the living room kitchen so i go upstairs and my dad's like catholic you know and doesn't really believe in like ghosts and things and I shake him dad he's like what like trying to tell him and he's like no no no, you're fine just go to bed so I was like okay well I'm gonna get in this lazy boy recliner right here and I'm telling you something's going on and he's like whatever so I get in the lazy boy and I'm just (laughs) sitting there reclined spacing off staring at this black tv it's turned off And then the flat screen, as I'm staring at it, you know, the, um, like heart monitors and hospitals, like how it shoots across the lines Mm -hmm. that happened across the TV that was turned off and I'm watching it and I rub my eyes. I think I'm going crazy and it happens again. And I actually said in my head out loud, like, okay, if you're there, do it again. And it didn't, it did it again. And I thought, 
oh, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm like, whatever, just get cozy. I'm going to sleep. Cause my boyfriend at the time always told me, do not show fear. You know, you're pregnant. Like you need to be brave if anything happens. So for my baby's sake, I'm like, I'm going to be brave. I, I need to sleep. And within like three minutes of trying to sleep on that chair, um, the mom started screaming just horrendously right there next door in her room, super loud. Like she was being like raped or assaulted in real life. Like it was just over the top. So my dad's like jumping off the couch to go see her. And I'm just kind of like, I told you, I told you as he's like running in there. But um, she was screaming out um, and she did say the D word, like, you know, demon, like she was screaming at like a demon. And my dad comes back out. And at this point, it's like, probably, I don't know, it's like four or five in the morning. And my dad still didn't want to, you know, admit that it was something paranormal, but I was kept up all night by ghosts. And, uh, so, um, my dad helped his lady friend out, like calmed her down and I guess people started like making coffee and no one really talked about what happened. But eventually the girl and her boyfriend downstairs that were in their twenties, my age, um, they came up right before my appointment. I was about to leave and they roll out of bed, hung over at like 10 AM and I pulled Charlie aside and I'm like, Hey, like I heard the kids talking in the hallway. There was something in like the left hand corner of your bedroom. It just, kept me up like something was there like a very bad bad feeling like something very like it was watching me like it wanted to hurt me and her eyes just popped out of her head like she and she goes oh oh no she goes I feel so bad I put you in that room I never thought of this and I'm like what are you talking about she said well years back in high school I actually woke up with bruises and I was attacked like something hit me with a bat and it was always it was this little boy like spirit or she thought it was a boy spirit from the left hand corner the same corner I had pointed out to her and I was like oh well that's great and she's just like I'm so glad you're okay do you have bruising and I'm like no I just didn't get any sleep. And I was like, well, okay. And yeah, that was pretty much it. Um, I asked her, I said, do you know the history of this place? Like, why is this boy so upset or what's the deal with the kids? And your mom hopefully will be okay. And she said, yeah, it turns out before they had gotten the place, um, a foster family had had it and they had been caught starving and abusing children. Oh, and as far as she knew, no child had died there, but they were severely abused. And so, yeah, that, uh, that appeared to me that night, Damn. which was, uh, not fun. <laughs> that oh, was, I would say not. Yeah, that was a hard night. Um, that's it, something I, I don't like to remember, but yeah, anyway, that's the only one I didn't bring up that at, I can think least of. That was in a place that wasn't your space. Right. Yeah. It was a, like one night in a haunted house kind of thing. And, um, I just felt so bad for the kids, you know, because, um, but then also it made me wonder, so there's these like child spirits, but then whatever attacked the mom upstairs, that was like a very darker presence, you know, something much bigger than what I, not like child ghost mischief or anything like what was happening to me was more mischief stuff. Mm. And, um, 
I don't know if I, I, I do pray. So I'm sure I was praying and like somewhat protected. Um, I didn't get hit by the boy ghost like she had in the past, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a, a weird night. And after that, I never went back to that house. I told my dad, I'm like, I will pay for a hotel when I go up. <laughs> We're not going back there. <laughs> so, well, you can, but I'm not. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever try talking to your dad about it again? To, I mean, he obviously <sighs> continued to see that woman for at least some time, right? Oh, well, he had known her. Um, she was Alaska native. I mean, he had known her for like 20 something years. My dad pretty much went to Alaska right out of, he signed up for the Coast Guard when he was 17 with parental permission. Um, he got to miss Vietnam because of that. And then he was up in Alaska. So his whole life, he's been up there. Um, but he knew these people for a really long time. Yeah. Um, no, I tried to bring it up, but my dad is just, I mean, for someone who's Catholic, right? And they got like the exorcist and all that. You think that he would be up to believing or understanding, yeah. but no, he just was like similar to my mom. Just nope, we're not going to go there. Like we're going to shut it down, and so it was something that I just dealt with. It was whatever. But I don't know. Like I, this week on Wednesday night, I had to run to two stores. And I was feeling like a really good energy, more than normal, and uh, like very optimistic. And I did completely mess up a debit machine. Never had that happen. Um, you know, you go through the steps, and in my case, this Wednesday night, the debit screen, which a few of my children had caught and seen too, it shot off like a code, like a really long code. And the only reason I knew it was time to put in my pen is it had like the four dots Oh, under yeah. some crazy code. So I was like, okay, I just put in my pin, you know? But uh, yeah, I guess sometimes um, things like to present themselves to me. And I don't know why, um, but it, it happens. Or like now, I guess I'm throwing off some technology, but I would like to hopefully figure out more about it, but I just don't really know exactly where to start. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, my I think I told you about this maybe in our episode. My daughter's boyfriend, um, you'd consider him a slider. Um, he can almost at will walk under street lights, and he can tell you when they're going to go out and when they're going to come back on. As he's oh, that happened him. to me. Yeah, so my girlfriend and I in high school, we would take off like a mile down the street to get snacks at the market and come back for a sleepover. And I used to uh, joke about it because I could time it. Like I'd be walking up and, and I, I thought it was just a random coincidence and funny. I mean, it was kind of creepy, but we were brave together. But it wasn't until you brought that up that I actually remembered that and thought, oh, wow, I didn't realize that was a thing like shutting off lights or power on the, the street lamps and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you guys sharing your stories tonight. All right, guys, take care. Good night. Thanks for being with me. Yeah. Good night. Thanks, Eric. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.